Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 175 of the podcast that is Sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Great show today. Last week, it was a little bit of a scramble drill as the Michael Avenetti news broke right after I recorded. So if you went back and listened, I appreciate your patience as I talked to Michael Avenetti. I talked in Folly Dante committing to Oregon over Kentucky. And, of course, Tim Brando from Fox Sports joined us today. My buddy, twice in two weeks, he's back to join me. Nick Coffey, you can hear him 7 to 10 Eastern, 790 KRD in Louisville. Nick Coffey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing well. Happy to be back. I'm sure I'll be more uh, regular and frequent as we get into, uh, you know, the grind that is college football and college basketball season. And I'm not sure when the folks are going to be listening to this. Could be Monday, could be Tuesday, could be whenever. But I know for me, when I wake up tomorrow morning and head into uh, to work to do a three-hour morning show, it will be officially two weeks for me until the first college football game that I get to see live and in person. That's, of course, Louisville and Notre Dame on the holiday night. But, of course, we are within less than a week of actually seeing a real game that counts. Week zero, kind of saying that it's actually a thing, but it is a thing, and it is here. Oh, my goodness. I can't, I can't wait. And I know, like, it's literally been, like, the last three times that you've been on that we've talked about, like, oh, my goodness, there's nothing to talk about. But it really has been, I think once you, I never really realized this, but once you hit media days and you get that wave of information, and I, for people who are regular listeners, I apologize. Nick and I have done this two or three times, but you get that big wave of information on media day, and even if nothing super quote-unquote newsworthy comes out of it, you still get, like, you see Nick Saban on the podium, and you see Ed Orgeron on the podium, and you see Dabo on the podium, and then you have another three weeks of absolute nothing. And so... I am so happy that it is game week. Uh, we're going to talk about just the concept of week zero in a minute, maybe talk a little Florida-Miami. I just got to be honest, I am so happy that it's game week. I'm so happy that we have actual sports to talk about. I, I think I've been patient. I think I've done a good job of coming up with crap to talk about on this show, and I say that loosely because it's not crap. It's uh, we've actually The show's been really good and really well-received, and a lot of people have been talking about it, or people have been listening, excuse me, but it's so nice to just have actual games to be talking about that we'll be talking about here over these next couple weeks, months, really. No years. doubt, and honestly, um, just being, I was on vacation last week, I just got back from Destin, Florida, and just being out, and you know, we're out at sports bars for dinner, and um, just being out and about doing different things. And, you know, obviously a lot of places have 
uh, the you know the televisions on ESPN. And, and for me, I've learned that once you see Little League World Series action on, like that's <laughs> probably the last. Isn't that the last hurdle for the off season? Because you it know, is. once that wraps up, we've got real football. It's okay. So we have the NBA Finals, and then you know, everyone back in the day. The NBA Finals was like, okay, that's it. We're off season is here. There are no more sports. Let's all watch some regular season Major League Baseball. Brewers, Cubs, what channel we got? Put it on. And now, this is now the new cycle of, of how the summer actually works. So we got, the, we got the NBA Finals. You and I are really into the NBA draft. And then maybe, maybe, maybe it was NBA draft. Now, the new cycle, it's Summer League. It's NBA Free Agency. It is last chance you into SEC media days or vice versa. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. At last chance you is one of the official uh, harbingers. I think that's a word. Harbingers of of okay, football is really close. And then you get like preseason in the NFL slash hard knocks. And then it's a little league World Series. And then it's like once you get the little league World Series. Uh, that is when it is officially, we are like super close to football. We have to pretend to care about uh, Burlington, Vermont versus, um, uh, I don't even know. I can't name one. I know, I think Bowling Green, Kentucky's in the Little League World yeah, I was Series. Yeah, say shout out Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah, is that near you? I know that's where uh, that's where uh, Western Kentucky is, right? Yeah, it's about, uh, about two hours away. All right. Well, first of all, we, uh, well, we got plenty to talk about here. I should remind everybody, couple notes, first of all, before we get into the show. One thing, so I mentioned this on the last episode, because of my travel schedule, one episode per week the next two weeks, so this is the only episode, Nick and I, today, I will preview week one of college football next Monday, but also, in addition to that, so one episode on Monday, one episode next Monday, then we're back to regularly scheduled episodes after the holiday, besides that, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, do it on Apple Podcasts, do it on Podcast Addict, if you have uh, an Android. Make sure to tune into uh, Podcast Addict, tune in radio. You can now ep- download these episodes on Spotify. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars encourage. Five stars are welcome. Thank you to all of you who have checked in with reviews. Uh, what else? Aaron Torres, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. All right, let's get into the last pre-football show of the year, Nick. By the way, you mentioned the Little League World Series, and I don't want to do like a whole Little League World Series bit because who cares? It's the Little League World Series. Did you see that little runny-nosed loser that gave up the big-time home run and then ran over and gave the other kid a high five? Like, did you see that, Nick? It was. It was. Oh yeah, I saw it. It was. I saw that kid. It made me want to puke. The. Uh, I mean, there's like a maybe a second and a half that goes by after the other kid at the plate just hits this thing to a different state. Yeah. And the kid just knows. I mean, I don't even think the kid that threw the pitch even looked at the ball. He just knew it was gone. So he quickly just runs over to meet this guy about midway from midway between home plate and first base and just gives him a little tap, like, good job. And I just, as, as they show it, the announcers, of course, I'm not sure who's on the call for the Little League World Series. In fact, I think they actually get a decent crew because what else are they going to do in the month of August? But I think the, the color analyst said, and you got to love. Oh, no, really? The hell, the, the hell with that. I mean, if that makes me a bad parent, if that makes me sound like just a scumbag because it's these kids, and they're playing for the love of the game and all that, 
it makes me a bad person to claim that's the worst thing that I ever saw, and it literally brought anger to me, then I don't want to be right, because I just, that was the most unnatural reaction. I don't know how a kid, again, maybe he just is a, a, a good kid with a big heart that doesn't take it too serious, but I don't think you can truly claim to be a real competitor to your core oh, if man. that's the reaction after you get a bomb hitting off of you. Yeah, so for people who haven't seen it, I don't even know what you would Google, but basically, Opening day of the Little League World Series, and I'm not saying that I'm even watching this thing because I'm actually not. I but I saw this highlight. I think it was on Barstool or one of the you know the main websites that covers this stuff. Uh, one kid, he's a pitcher, throws a little meatball over the plate. Some kid, you know, one of these 13 year old kids that has a mustache, he hits it about 900 feet. I mean, like Bryce Harper stuff, flips the bat, all that stuff. He's rounding the bases, and the kid who gave up the home run runs into the base path, which is kind of weird, to give the other kid a high five. I'll say this, Nick. First of all, I did not know that the that the announcers were, oh, this is such great sportsmanship. Screw those announcers. I'll say that first the hell of all. with that. Screw those announcers. Second of all, I, listen, uh, we I, I try to toe the line of political correctness. I mean, I say what I really feel, but I don't go out of my way to to, to not be politically correct. But come on, you talk about you. It's exactly what you said. It's not that. Um, it, what makes it so bad? You're playing competitively. You're playing in a game. You've been dreaming your whole life to go to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And I know they're 12 years old, so their whole life literally started like three years ago. But you're playing your whole life to get there. You give up a bomb, and if you lose, I don't know if they go home after one game or if I think it's pool play early, whatever. Why are you giving a high five to other people to the other team? I remember back in the old days, Nick, back when you were winning Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky, you know, you knocked a guy on his ass and you hoped he was bleeding and you didn't help him up. Where are we at in well, society, the, man? The, the worst part is that, like, I, I can sense that if, if, if some people, not all people, but there would be some people that heard our reaction and said, oh, come on, they're just kids, this and that. No, like... My thing is, it's different to give him a dab after the game and say, man, hey, you got me. That was a good one. But, like, in the heat of the moment, to act as if that's a natural thing to do in any competitive sport, amateur, children, toddlers, pros, grown-ups. When I'm playing basketball in a rec league at a church when I'm 40 years old, if a guy gets me, I'm not doing – I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to start a fight, but, like, it's, that's just – I don't think there's any – like, in a way, and, again, this is going to sound like the most over-the-top – exaggeration but like if that's my kid i would worry about his ability to be a competitor and i don't say that to be like hottest take of all time i'm serious i just don't think that was natural at all and i just think if you're if you're you know if you're coaching these kids individually to do that and that's like the new norm i'm worried about where we're headed with competitive sports and again i know that sounds like such an old tradition let's get off my lawn but when I saw that, it literally brought anger to me. Well, it's funny because I hadn't really thought about it until you just mentioned it, but you said the word natural. And it's so true, right? It, because it's like, okay, let's use the basketball analogy, right? Like, like so, let's say hypothetically, and I know that most people in your regular like YMCA league, there aren't guys like dunking on you from the foul line, right? But let's just say hypothetically some dude dunks on you. And let's say he dunks on you so hard that you fall down and then let's just say hypothetically, like he goes to like give you the hand to help you up and then you kind of give him a slap on the ass like, okay, good job, man. You got me there. You made me look bad, whatever. That's natural. This for people who haven't seen it, and I encourage people to go and check this thing out because 
this is not natural. It's like you said. He gives up the home run. He watches it. I don't even think the home run's landed yet. And then he, I don't want to say runs, but he jogs over into the base path as the kid is going from the kid who hit the home run. Almost like he wanted his damn autograph. Yeah, it was so weird. It it was, it was so. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. And that's the thing, right? Is like, it, it was just. It didn't seem normal, and and that's what I'm thinking about it because now that I'm thinking about it and I'm reliving it in my head, it, there was nothing natural about it, and I I don't know, man. It was just really weird, and I'm with you. I don't think it makes us like the old get-off-the-lawn kind of kind of people. If you For people who haven't seen it, and like you said, Nick, for people who are in your cars right now or you're at the gym or you're driving to work or you're at work, if you have not seen this video, find it because Nick and I are not exaggerating. We're not... 19, you know, 45 dad of, you know, we want, we want blood and, you know, knock the guy's teeth out. And, and, you know, if he comes, if he comes off the field in one piece, you're walking home tonight and you're not getting dinner or whatever, you're going straight to your room without dinner. Like this was a kid who gave up a monster home run and then went out of his way to congratulate the kid. And I'm with you is I get, we're all for, you know, we live in a world with a little bit more sportsmanship. whoop de freaking do. But this was so beyond sportsmanship that it wasn't normal. And I will say, I hope, and I, I'm not a coach, and I'm sure we have kids, people that coach youth kids and all that stuff. Listen, I, I hope you're teaching them the right rules, and I hope you're teaching them not to play dirty and, uh, you know, no elbows and no uh, uh, holding on the offensive line and all that stuff. But this was so beyond uh, anything. I, I just have never seen anything like it. And I will say this, in defense of social media, Everyone I saw who responded to that video was like, wow, that was just weird. What a loser that kid is. So I will say in defense of everybody that I saw on social media reacting to it, they all kind of said the same thing that we did. Well, loyal listeners know that that's not on brand for us to make this a talking point and share strong opinions on it. It's just, it was that, to me, it was that, it was that worthy of a reaction. So yeah, if you haven't seen, I I would imagine a lot of people listening um, and I, I, not to not to necessarily be braggadocious, but like I, I think the best way to put it is it wasn't natural. It's not. It, it doesn't. Nor, that's not a normal a reaction to to, to 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 have when you're in that situation, regardless of what level you are playing a competitive sport, regardless if you're a good sport or not. Um, so yeah, I, I, it, we're 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 not necessarily. Um, I don't think we're throwing anything out there that a lot of people haven't already kind of watched and felt themselves. I mean, I remember showing it to my wife, and she was like, why would he even think to do that? There's a lot of weird stuff coming out of Little League World Series this year. Did you see the- Dude, I, you said it. It's, it's, to me, the whole thing is weird. I mean, I don't want to – to me, it just seems a little too kumbaya, if that makes any sense at all. Did you see the video of the kid that I think it was strike uh, – he was trying to get a walk, and he crouched down almost to. Yeah, the... he sat on it. He said to put his ass on the ground pretty much. Yeah, there were a lot of weird stuff coming out. I just, I just searched on social media on Twitter, um, Little League World Series, and I guess there was another girl that played today. So that's the big story now. But the reason I bring it up is because besides that, the first three results are the video that we're talking about, the video of the kid crouching like a weirdo, and then this one, which is just pure gold, which is somebody caught a screenshot, and the headline on Twitter says. Whoever is fact-checking the Little League World Series players' favorite things should probably start looking for a new job. And there's one player, and it says favorite athlete, and it says Brandy Love. 
Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar <laughs> with Brandy Love's handiwork, but uh, she she is not an athlete uh, in the traditional sense, and I, I don't encourage anyone listening to Google. Uh, Probably a Br- decent athlete, though. Yeah, I mean she's. I mean, listen, uh, you know, there's a comment to be made about her stamina. I mean, you know, she's she exactly. Uh, you know, she's run a few marathons in her day. Do not Google Brandy Love at work. Maybe do that on your own personal computer. Uh, but apparently, one of the kids in the Little League World Series said that Brandy Love is her favorite, is his favorite athlete. So a lot of weird stuff going on in the League World Series. Listen, I'll say this. For the loser kid that wants to high-five kids after they hit home runs, I'm, I'm glad to see that we have a warm-blooded 12-year-old American male whose favorite athlete is Brandy Love. That gives, me, that gives me faith that not all of our society is lost going forward, Nick Coffey. I'm with you, man. All right. What else happened in sports? So, so first of all, you were on vacation Dude, I'm not lying when I say nothing really happened. So I talked last week, as I said off the top, and Folly Dante committed to Oregon. Don't really want to talk about that again because I don't think he'll have an impact. Oregon actually picked up another commitment today. Everyone's going gaga over Oregon. I think it's really hard to acclimate seven players, seven new players, which Oregon has, I think, five freshmen and two transfers. I think it's hard to acclimate seven new players into your lineup, especially when two of them didn't even commit until the end of August. So that's that. Uh, the Michael Avenetti stuff I talked about. Nick, I don't know if you really care about it. I talked about it last week. I really actually don't think anything worthwhile came out of that. Uh, to be clear, it isn't necessarily what Michael Avenetti is accusing specifically Zion Williamson and Romeo Langford of. First of all, there was never proof that they even got the Uh, offers presented to them or their families. Second of all, if their parents want to run an AAU program, that is not illegal. Uh, And third, the Kenny Payne stuff. So for people who don't know, there was a UK Kentucky assistant mentioned in um, in these reports. His name is Kenny Payne. And if you actually read the reports, Kenny Payne basically is asking kind of about uh, a couple different things. And this guy that works at Nike mentions... Uh, that he's paying all these uh, AAU coaches to, uh, basically he's paying these AAU coaches to give their give money to the families of the kids. Kenny Payne says, "Wow," and then Kenny Payne says, "Dude, watch your back. Uh, you know this is really dangerous game you're playing. Be careful." And so what I took out of it was, frankly, nothing interesting. And I get, you know, Michael Avenetti speaking of, um, you know entertainers of a different sort. Uh, We know that uh, his clientele includes Stormy Daniels. I get why it's an interesting headline. I get why when you see Zion Williamson, 35,000, Romeo Lang for 20,000, but this wasn't a big story. So do you have anything to say on Michael Avenetti, anything that I haven't kind of already hit on, or kind of just take this direction wherever you want, Nick Coffey? Well, my initial thoughts on Avenetti when he gave us, I guess, a little bit of what he had behind the curtain was that he doesn't really have a whole lot because like giving us the bowl bowl stuff like that people already assumed there was some shady stuff going on there and i guess this new um the update is the conversation with some coaches and nike and i think romeo langford for the first time came up in this whole thing zion of course has been brought up because having that he's used his name as kind of the, the the guy that clearly there was some some communication that insinuated there was going to be money exchanged but um as much as i wish this guy really had more and and, and, um, and that he could maybe rock the sport a little more, create more drama, give us more to talk about. I just don't think it's going to happen. And also, I don't. if there are people that are just expecting this thing to get 
ramp back up and the feds get back involved and take a run at Nike like they did Adidas, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think yep. uh, if they were being honest, they would say they wasted their time doing that. They swung and missed. They bluffed. They did not really do anything impactful, and they looked as if they just wasted taxpayers' money. I mean, there's still a, a serious uh, question that I've yet to really understand is who was the real victim in this whole thing. I mean, the fact that some guys are going to prison is laughable. Um, so I'm honestly, the more I see his name come up, I guess I'm going to click on the stories and see if there's more juice there. But I don't go with the expectation that he's going to drop some bomb kills on the sport. I just, I just don't. Yeah, and and what I'd say is a couple things. One, and I talked about all this on the last episode, but uh, like I get it, I get that we want this to be salacious, but. All it takes, and, and I think you and I have talked about this throughout really our years of doing this together, Nick, is all these stories require context. And there's just, if you just understand the simple context of, yes, Romeo Lankford didn't go to Nike because Adidas was funding his dad's AAU program, which is perfectly legal and above board, all of a sudden, $20,000 doesn't sound so bad. And when you have the context of a lot of different things. Now, listen, the stuff with Bull Bull, the stuff with DeAndre, and that stuff is clear NCA violations, but I don't really know how much you can really get too fired up about it because one, you know, again, let's let's be cognizant of the messenger and this guy isn't the best messenger, but even if it's true, DeAndre is gone. Um, Bowl Bowl is gone. I guess in theory, those schools could have to vacate wins. I guess in theory, it doesn't look good for Sean Miller yet again, but I've said it a thousand times on this show, and I'm not a Sean Miller apologist, is until you give me proof that Sean Miller knew something about this, like you, this isn't a Sean Miller situation. And and to be clear, this was something that happened not only before DeAndre Ayton got to Arizona, it was something before DeAndre Ayton even committed to Arizona. All this stuff with Bull Bull happened a year going into his senior year before he committed to Arizona or committed to Oregon. And so again, I, I know that that we want to make this into a big deal. We want to make this into a thing and there's big names and there's big dollar amounts. And it's not to say as those those shady stuff is not happening behind the scenes, but in terms of tangible stuff that's going to change in college basketball, in terms of coaches getting in trouble, in terms of programs getting in trouble, I just don't see it happening. And so, yeah, man, it's just it's just one of those deals where it's weird. It doesn't look good for the kids. But I mean, I don't even know if it doesn't look. I don't even want to say it doesn't look good for the kids. Wow, adults around them took money. It happens. Like I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying uh, it's legal by NCAA rules. But I don't know. It's just it's just one of those where I think it was made a big deal. It, you know, the other thing too, Nick, and I know I'm just totally rambling, so I apologize. But is I listen. Dan Wetzel, who's done the bulk of the reporting on this stuff, I'm not here to criticize his reporting. He's really an excellent reporter, a phenomenal reporter. But, like, his brand is pretty, like, I hate the NCAA. Like, he literally wrote a book called Death to the BCS. And so I bring that up because even when I was kind of following the narrative on social media over the last couple of days, it felt like he and Pete Thamel and all those guys wanted this to be a bigger story than it was, pushed it out, and it just isn't, man. It just isn't. It just isn't. It just isn't. Yeah, and honestly, I I don't know, man. I, it, as much as it, without an Eddie, he's a guy that 
Obviously, his reputation doesn't help him in any way. People just assume he's full of it, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, just because a guy is a bad guy and has done some shady stuff doesn't mean he might have, doesn't mean he might know where some bodies are buried, if you will. But I just, every little thing, to me, it just seemed as if he was, he was, it was a poorly attempted shakedown and he doesn't know when to kind of just give in and move on. He's still trying to fight as if he's, he's got all this stuff. And, and I think, I think if he did, it would have been taken a little more seriously. Um, so I, I, again, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm back and forth on that because just because he is kind of a sleazebag doesn't mean he might have, have some credible stuff, but even with that going in, I still can't read and, and look at what he has as if it's really going to, going to develop into anything serious. I mean, if he does have more, I guess, you know, if he has more coaches that are, you know, AAU coaches willing to come out and talk about, they had conversations with assistant coaches that, that were with Nike that knew of money being exchanged and um, and whatnot, even if that was the case, I just don't think it'll ever turn into anything because I don't think there's going to be enough proof kind of going back to, to, to Sean Miller will wait. I mean, obviously there's some, some stuff that smells kind of funny there, but are you really going to ruin a guy's career when you don't have, I mean, Rick Pitino is a great example. He was fired and he should have been fired given the fact that even if he wasn't involved at all, um, you know, there's been enough that went on at UofL to where clearly he had to go. He could not run his program. He clearly was not running it and had no clue what was going on, according to him, which that alone's reason to fire him. But my point is, he looked a lot better when this whole thing played out in court. And that's kind of why, even if there's, these allegations are made and you have reports of transcripts from a wire, I mean, that's even, even that's not rock solid proof. And I think a lot of times we just live in this actual world where any little piece of evidence that might look like somebody's done something terribly wrong. People act as if they need to be fired. And that's really not how, that's really not how the world works. In fact, I think the only severe, and this isn't severe at all, I guess my point is what could maybe be the only real outcome of this is in fact, maybe some of these assistant coaches did have a conversation with somebody at Nike that knew money was being exchanged hands. And at that time they're thinking, well, we're staying away, but technically they are required to report that to the NCAA. But if they do get slapped on the wrist with that, that's a minor violation. You're talking about, I mean, basically just being, you know, reprimanded. They're not going to ban you or anything like that or, or, or suspend you. So, um, you know, as much as I wish this was a bigger thing that we could make it a, you know, college basketball staying in the news nonstop, I just I don't think we'll get there. Real quick, I, I don't mean to, to make this uh, to, to go after you in any t- kind of negative way, but was there an update with the Louisville NCA stuff real quick? I mean, last week you and I talked about the Chris Mack interview, how I chose not to kind of ask him about the latest with the NCAA, but I saw something like, I guess the NCAA has been on campus at Louisville. Is that accurate? Yes. NCAA is back in town, how we missed them so dearly. Um, and in, it was, it was WDRB, a local station here in town that reported that they are in town. They've interviewed, um, a couple of people, including uh, Kenny Johnson, who's not here, but of course he is a employee at an NCAA institution. Therefore, if he wants to keep his job, he needs to cooperate. So he's cooperating. And uh, also a local businessman, who we don't know who it yep. is, is also a part of this investigation, which I found to be, um, you know, you need some context to know. But one thing I would say to kind of, uh, you know, not that we necessarily are reaching a humongous audience of local fans, but if he's cooperating, this is a businessman. This is somebody who's probably doing it on behalf of Louisville. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think he's necessarily going to divulge any information that's going to make things worse. But then again, on the other foot, you could say, well, he knows if he doesn't talk and NCAA wants to talk to him, all the all the NCAA can do is punish, um, you know, punish U of L for, you know, if, hey, people don't want to come out and talk. It's kind of like Derrick Rose. A lot of people just chose not to cooperate with him. So uh, in the end, 
Chris Mack is leading this program right now, but like he's not going to be involved in this in any way. Of he wasn't course. here. So it's going to be such a bizarre investigation from the NCAA compared to when they get involved with, with Auburn, when they get involved like the RDR NC State. Well, NC State's a little bit different because they have a new coach too. But Louisville's going to be so different, unique compared to others just because everybody that's here now, even the athletic director, even the president, they weren't around when any of this happened. All they can share and divulge is hearsay. You know what I mean? So there's sure. no it, – it's just going to – it's almost – I mean, NCAA is hard enough to predict as it is, but this is the most unpredictable situations I can think of simply because uh, it's, it's – again, who you, you, you've got to think the university, the program itself is going to be held accountable, but everybody there had nothing to do with it. It doesn't mean nothing should happen, but it is certainly going to be bizarre. I still think at the end of the day, the, the uh, you know, the Adidas involvement and, and the – Coach one, coach two involved in the, in the, in the federal complaint. Like, that's the juiciest. That's what got the most attention. That's when everybody just assumed Louisville was going to get, you know, the death penalty because of just how, how insane it was. They were already committing violations after just losing a banner, becoming the first program to ever lose a title to vacation. Um, that all, that is all, you know, bad, but Brian Bowen never played a game. Um, Jordan Fair is somebody that is, was an assistant coach, and he apparently walked out of a room as soon as he saw money. Now, again, I'm not saying these guys are on the up and up, but I think what's going to really get Louisville is that when Brian Bowman was already here, his dad testified in federal court that Kenny Johnson was giving him over $1,000 in cash. I mean, that has nothing to do with paying for a recruit. He's already here. He's enrolled in school. He can't leave, but that's a major violation. Even if it is $1,000 or $2,000, that doesn't matter. That's blatantly doing something you can't do. And it's just stupid because, again, you're not buying him. You already have him. Apparently, Adidas was paying for that. So that's one of those things people kind of forget about. But I think that that is going to be the perfect example to look at the NCAA and let them say, look, okay, we don't need to do the investigation. We're going to take what his dad said in federal court, and we're going to use that as as our proof. And that's obviously the violation. You're already on probation, and you know maybe they'll drop another hammer on him. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and that's kind of what we've talked about throughout this this whole situation um, is just really just the idea of like, okay, so what is going to happen with all these schools? And it is different, and we talked about it last week with Chris Mack, but it is different with what's going on at, say, Arizona, where Sean Miller had an assistant coach that pled guilty in the court of law, so by rule he definitely broke NCAA rules uh, to paying players, and Sean Miller still has his job as opposed to an NC State or a Louisville where um, the AD wasn't there, the head coach wasn't there, all that stuff. So, all right, I I don't want to get bogged down in NCAA minutia because it doesn't feel like there is a ton to be updated. And we have football games this week. So are you fired up, Week Zero? I mean, I don't really, for the record, I don't really remember when Week Zero became a thing. Um, I remember like three or four years ago, they'd play like a game either in Hawaii or in Australia – and because of the travel, they would give teams they would give teams an extra they would let teams do it a week early. But now all of a sudden we just got Miami, Florida in week zero. I'm totally down with it. I'm totally cool with it. I'm so happy. I cannot wait. I'm so happy that we have football this week, Nick. Yeah, and I don't remember when it became a thing either, but it definitely seems like this is the year where there's actually a good game to watch as far as traditional p- programs. It's definitely getting a lot of attention where I feel like the previous years, they kind of just snuck week zero in, in on us. They gave us like a, a Friday night game at 10 p.m. between like Cal and It was in like Hawaii Australia, but it was like it was like yeah, yeah. Sunday afternoon there, but it was like Friday at 3 p.m. here. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah, so I, look, I'm, just to know that we're going to have a Saturday with college football and it's going to be here for, I mean, in a way, like not to be emotional, but like just to think about where where the season ended with, you know, because when Clemson and Alabama played the title game, like it, I don't know about you guys and our listeners, but like when I, when it hits, you know, obviously I was full in college basketball mode, but like just to know, hey, it's over, man, it's going to be a long time before we watch football again. And now literally it's the week of it. And that is freaking awesome. So uh, look, they could put, two other random programs just to be able to have it and watch it is, is good. But I do feel as if each year we get to this week zero that again, it's kind of silly that it's a thing, but it's certainly become a thing and it's getting a lot of promotion. But, and honestly, you know, just because I, if there's one thing I will, you know, I don't do great at it, but I do enjoy betting a little bit on college football. Oh, to me, yeah. It just seems like maybe not the easier one, but like I'm getting in on this Hawaii, uh, this Arizona? Hawaii Arizona game too. Well, I will be in Hawaii during this game, unfortunately, I'll be on the wrong island. Uh, it was funny. Rainbow I, Warriors, baby. I know. I asked uh, a friend of mine was like, uh, "So, uh, do have you checked the schedule? Is Hawaii playing when you're there?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I really don't want to get a divorce while I'm on my honeymoon, so I'm probably not going to ask my wife to go to the game." And then it was really funny because I mentioned it to her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we can go if you want." But it, as it turns out, we are going to be on a different island, which I know, hashtag first world problems. So I will be <laughs> in Hawaii uh, for the game, but I will not be on the right island. By the way, I looked it up. Last year, week zero, here were the matchups, Nick. Duquesne at, at UMass, Prairie View at Rice, Hawaii at Colorado State, and Wyoming at New Mexico State. Those were the four matchups on week zero. So not exactly... Uh, the needle mover that Miami, Florida is. But I'm glad that we got this extra game this week. And pro- by the way, there's probably a perfectly logical explanation why Miami and Florida are allowed to play this week. But I do remember in the past it was somebody would go play in Australia and because of the travel they wanted to give them the extra bye week, blah, blah, blah. Same with Hawaii. I don't get it, but I am really, really, really happy about it. And yeah, I cannot be more excited that football is here. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else on on week zero on Miami, Florida? I mean, what do you got, man? I'm I'm. Well, I'm just gonna say the um, you know the the they give us those two games, uh, which again they're pretty good. But man, uh, Nova, Colgate, Youngstown State, Sanford, yeah, those don't really necessarily move the needle. Um, but man, week one, I don't know about you, I'm looking here at some notable games here in actually week one where most teams will start their season and. What what game kind of uh, what game in this first slate where everybody plays really is one year intrigued for because I kind of feel like it's a little underwhelming. Yeah, no, it's funny that something. I know not... you're going to get into that more next week, but I'm just glancing at the schedule here and it's kind of popping. Maybe I'm just not finding. This is, I'm looking at something that shows every single game, so maybe I'm just not no, seeing the ones that are of note. No, you're right. It's funny. I was actually on my Saturday show with Arnie Spanier. We were talking about this. And I remember probably about three or four years ago, I think it was actually the year I was working at FoxSports.com, and it was there was one year where they had like nine great games on opening day, and it was almost like too much. Like I remember it was Oklahoma-Houston, who ironically are playing this year. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, it was LSU-Wisconsin, it was Auburn-Clemson, I think Alabama played maybe USC or somebody good that year. And so I do, so they've kind of spread it out. So like I was telling Arnie this last night, but week two we have LSU at Texas. 
Uh, week three, we have Notre Dame at Georgia. So we do get some good games, but they are more spread out over kind of the traditional non-conference. And that's probably the best way. I mean, that may not sound as, as uh, sexy to people, but the probably the best way to do it is to spread it out. That way, each can kind of shine, whereas if they're all kind of sharing yep. one day, it would be impossible to really keep up with all of them, especially if you've got a team that you have you know, personal rooting interest for. Yeah, so I think the biggest game – uh, in week one is obviously Auburn and Oregon. Um, I've talked a little bit about it. I think it's just going to be really interesting because the thing with Oregon, which is really interesting, and I'll talk about it a little bit more on the next show, but Oregon is basically playing for the entire Pac-12 because they're the highest ranked team in the preseason polls for the Pac-12. And if they don't win this game, I'm not saying like, oh, the Pac-12 is eliminated from the college football playoff week one. But, like, But other people will. Not only will other people say that, but, like, imagine, and I know we're doing the thing that we always do in college football, but imagine if they were to go 12-0, and win the Pac-12, well, win their next 12 games, that lose to Oregon, run through the Pac-12, win the Pac-12, and you know that that would be a talking point. Like, if you lose to Auburn, which is, for all intents and purposes, probably the 5th, 6th, 7th best team in the SEC, according to the preseason poll, I actually think they're, like, the 5th-ranked team in the, the coaches' poll that came out a few weeks ago. Um, like that's just a loss that you can't have. Now, Auburn's kind of the flip side of they just got to win because Gus Malzahn's got a hot seat, but that is probably the game that's the most intriguing. But to your point, I will say it is a less than stellar week one slate this year. Well, for the second straight year, um, Louisville is going to have a major opponent in week one with a ton of attention. And they were still riding that Lamar Jackson momentum um, last year heading into Alabama. And Louisville wasn't, I mean, Louisville was one of the worst Power 5 teams of all time last year. That's not hyperbole. That's actually statistically accurate. They lost their last five games of the season by 50-plus or more. Nobody's ever lost five consecutive. No Power 5 team's ever lost five games by 50 or more points. So anyways, um, they got embarrassed. Wait, we say didn't really that again? Know what to say that What's that? You say what you just said? No Power 5 team what? No Power 5 team has ever lost five games about 50 or more points in one season. Oh, and they did last year? Yes, they were that bad. So oh. my point is, they've got Monday night. They've got like the the, recap, the you know the weekend, of the you because know, it's the real open weekend in my opinion. I think most would agree. But like the big weekend, which we just said is not all that big, but the Monday night game when everybody's watching TV on that holiday to go back to work Tuesday, it's Louisville Notre Dame on ESPN. I'm sorry, on ABC. And I just, to me, it's, they're so bad last year. They're expected to be so bad this year. It just seems it just seems like such a missed opportunity, man. And I, the reason I bring this up is because it is going to be one of the most probably not nearly. It's not even going to be close to being one of the most talked about. But as far as like prime time games at Monday Night Flight, I remember a few years ago, uh, Ole Miss and Florida State when yeah. Florida State was supposed to be really good that year. That was a big game there, and I think they do they played that one in Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Uh, so. I don't know. Brian Kelly talked about a challenging schedule at a press conference, but he didn't leave, didn't mention Louisville, so maybe he's overlooking them and they sneak up and maybe they cover that 21.5 points spread. Uh, first of all, I will say this. I will make a wild guess that Louisville-Notre Dame goes down as one of the five highest-rated games of the college football season. I, I don't think buzz-wise it'll be there, but you get Notre Dame, Notre Dame on a holiday weekend, Monday night, everybody's going back to work, nobody's doing anything. I guarantee that's going to be a really well-rated game. And I will people, say... People knock Notre Dame all the time like for, you know, for obvious reasons, I guess, but 
they have a following unlike I mean unlike anybody else. It's crazy. It is. It is insane. I, I'll say this too. The other reason that I think uh, week one is lacking. I think we've officially run out of people that are willing to play Alabama on a neutral field, which I don't think helps. <laughs> That's like, true. Like I, I like I'm not even. You'll, it'll, it'll ruin your season. Oh, yeah. oh, dude, listen. I will contend to to my death. It ruined the entire Jimbo Fisher era at at Florida State. People forget two years ago they got injured. Yeah, they were ranked in the top five in the preseason. DeAndre DeAndre Hunter DeAndre Fran, Francois gets hurt. In the third quarter, the early fourth, they're down twenty-four to three. I think he should be out of the game. He goes down. They they don't have another quarterback because, ironically, Malik Henry, last chance you had just transferred out, and they have to play a true freshman. And they go five, six and six, and Jimbo Fisher leaves. If Jimbo, if that kid doesn't get hurt, they probably finish nine and three like they always do under Jimbo Fisher, and he stays. So I really do think, and I, and I've talked to like my buddies in Alabama about this. Like I do think we've actually run out of teams that are willing to play them on a neutral field. That's also why Alabama has now starting to schedule home and homes. They have one in the future, uh, probably about five six years down the road with Texas. They just announced one with Wisconsin. So they are starting to schedule more home and homes versus neutral field. But I do think that's part of it as well. I also think um, just part of it is that these games are more spread out now. Like I said, listen. LSU at Texas week two is going to be freaking phenomenal, okay? Uh, Georgia-Notre Dame in week three is going to be phenomenal. And then by then, we'll be into conference play already. But I just think it's one of those uh, It's just one of those deals. Real quick, Nick, I know you come at it from more of the uh, Louisville perspective, but I don't think that's one game that I'll probably be talking a ton about in my uh, on my podcast next week just because I don't really know what to make of Louisville. I don't think they can possibly be as bad as they uh, looked. And like you said, they were historically bad last year, just like my UConn Huskies, by the way. So uh, real quick, I mean, do you have any quick thoughts on that Louisville-Notre Dame game going in? Because that's probably one I'm probably not going to hit a ton on next week. Well, you and I were sort of, I think, defenders of Notre Dame last year, more so than others, because... um, just the, you know because they were undefeated they didn't and look beat a great lot of really early good teams. on and they went to a quarterback switch and after that they became pretty damn good and yep. they had no real blemish on the resume I mean I think it was clear the two best teams in the country were Bama and Clemson but look I know they got embarrassed the score was not close but if you just go strictly off margin they were right there they played Clemson as competitively as Alabama did so I actually thought with their having so much back offensively I was a little shocked they came in at number nine being a playoff team last year, that the only game they lost to was, of course, Clemson in, 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 in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, they're going to be really good. Louisville, in fact, is not. What you just said a moment ago is truly the realistic fan optimism. Well, no way they could be as bad as last year. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of where we are. And, and it's just amazing that they're three years removed from a high trophy winner. And, and not even three years. I mean, it was um, – you know, we're close to three years, of course, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been hard for me to generate any kind of enthusiasm because it was, I mean, again, they're the only team ever in power five football to lose 50, lose five games by 50 or more points. Um, it just, they, they're starting from the bottom. It's just unfortunate because they were building and, and rising during the times of Charlie Strong. And of course, the early days of Bobby to where they actually had a chance to schedule some big primetime games. It's just, they had one season that completely just put them, you know, underground and hopefully they'll, uh, hopefully they'll eventually be able to get back up. But yeah, it's, uh, they're not supposed to be very good. And even teams that aren't supposed to be good fans kind of find a way 
to, well, you know, crazier yeah. things have happened, and nobody's even doing that because it, really? it, it was that bad. Look, I, I think Louisville football, I'll, I'll end with this when it comes to Louisville football, they are the perfect example. Last season is the perfect example why you should never say, well, it can't get any worse because <laughs> I said that each and every week, and then I had to go back into the studio to do a postgame show, and every week, in fact, it was worse. I will say this is obviously the last couple weeks I've really ramped up a lot of my college football just preview and and when I say preview it's just me kind of preparing my notes for the season and what 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 did I forget from last year and I did all the conferences and I got to the ACC last because let's be honest the ACC we know who's going to win the ACC right here on August 23rd or whatever today is August 19th and I got to the ACC last and I got to Louisville last because they were picked to finish last in the conference so they were basically the last power five team that I did any prep for at all and I forgot how bad it was. Like I, I remembered how bad it was, but I forgot how bad it was. I mean, it was, it was, it was pretty bad, Nick. Like I, I forgot that the only two wins were Indiana State and Western Kentucky. And correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. They easily could have lost both of those games. That's what I was gonna say. Western Kentucky was like a hold on for dear life at the end of the game kind of deal, right? Oh yeah, Western Kentucky play outplayed them and just couldn't come through. Uh, and then Indiana State, that game didn't end until 2.30 in the morning because of the weather, and huh, they ended up, I think, creating some separation at the end because they put in a, a quarterback who can run a little bit, and he just made some big plays. But no, it was it was truly a season where there was not one thing that stood out as a remotely positive, and I, I went back and watched a little bit of like the, uh, you know, the, the games that are on YouTube that get rid of the commercials in the downtime, and I don't know why the hell I would ever do that, just reliving a nightmare. But just with added enthusiasm and energy, they're going to put a better product on the field. And again, wins, results is all that really matters. But that is as corny as and it's, I guess, sad as it is to say, this team is going to play harder. And that alone is a step in the right direction. Not where you want to be, but now what you just said, a lot of people are doing the same thing because they were written off so early. They didn't really matter at all nationally because they lost Lamar Jackson. But you are not the first person that has come on my show and, and, and said, damn, I forgot how bad it was. I did. I really, truly did. And then I went back and looked at it, and it was awful. But if it makes you feel any better, my UConn Huskies had statistically the worst defense in the history of FBS football. So it can always get worse, Nick. It can always get worse. Uh, it can. Do you have anything else? I mean, uh, I'm going to probably next week do some, like, playoff predictions and all that stuff. Do you have any, do you have any like, scolding hot takes coming into the year outside of anything that we've talked about? No, not really. Um, I've got, uh, I, I mean, I kind of, I've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but one of my, as we started the show kind of saying, this has been a really down and dead off season for college football, the storylines. And I mean, I think last year we were, I think each of the last years we've been gifted with like a big story. Like, for example, the Urban Meyer thing was just oh, nonstop yeah. last year around this time. It was huge. Uh, we don't really have anything like that this year. The one thing that I just keep coming back to is, Alabama and Clemson to be where they are, the superior powers in this sport as it is today, for them to have the schedules that they have, you know, I just I think it's it's unfortunate because I think we're gonna my prediction for this season, and this is a general prediction, we're gonna see Bama and Clemson where it matters. Once again, I don't think Georgia's gonna catch him. I think I have an opposite look at Georgia. If Georgia was gonna beat Bama, damn it, they would have done it in one of those two games because Lord knows they had a shot to do it, they should have done it. So I think Bama and Clemson will be superior, but I feel like we're gonna get to 
SEC championship game time, and we're going to feel like we haven't really seen these teams tested. Bama's going to be more tested because they simply play in a better league. But for Clemson, their game against A&M, it's early. And if they win that one comfortably, they're likely going to – I mean, I guess they've had those years where they lose to teams they shouldn't. They lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Syracuse, two teams that weren't very good in those seasons. Um, but I just – I kind of feel like we're going to – I guess my point is if you were already sick of all Clemson and Bama give me something else, I think you are in for a boring season for you if that's something that, you know, if you're looking to see new flavor at the top. I'll tell you this is that, look, we are always going to on this show – focus on college sports. It's just, you know, it's my niche. It's your niche, whatever. But I I was thinking about this when I was driving in to do my Fox Sports radio show last night on Saturday night. I think I'm more excited for the NFL this year than I am for college, only in the sense that two things. One, the NFL, there are a lot of teams that they just have really interesting guys at quarterback that I'm curious to watch, like your guy, Lamar Jackson, like Kyler Murray, like Baker Mayfield, like Sam Darnold, like Josh Allen with the Buffalo Bills, who all of a sudden looks really good. And so part of it is I'm genuinely intrigued by more NFL teams than I think that I have been in a while. And then on the college side, like, listen, we're not going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to come on here on Sunday nights and be, you know, uh, you know, a sourpuss and not want to talk about college football because I love college football and I'll still watch 14 hours a day every Saturday. But Listen, man, I, I, you and I were talking about it before we even started recording, and I know I've talked about it on this show a hundred times, and so I, I truly apologize for people that are just college football diehards that don't want to hear it. I really do think Clemson and Bama took a lot out of this offseason. I really, truly do. Now, college football, part of what makes it so great is the scandal. Like you said, Nick, we had the Urban Meyer thing last year. Uh, Hugh Freeze happened right around this time a few years ago. So That's there's right. Yeah, so there's always kind of that element of it. But I just think that I think everybody's kind of tired of the same narratives of is this the year Harbaugh breaks through? Is this the year Georgia breaks through? Is this the year Texas is really back? And now we're just at a point where it's like, dude, I think everybody thinks it's going to be Clemson and Bama in some way, shape or form. But even if it isn't, it's going to be one of them. It feels like they're a cut above everybody else. And so. I'll tell you, man, I I really, I don't want to end this on a negative note. I don't want people to seem like I hate college football. And, you know, because like one of the things that I always try to do on this show is there's so much negativity in like the world right now that I always try to like make this show fun and be excited and and talk sports because we all love sports. And there's a reason that so many people listen to this show. And I'm not saying I won't be excited for college football, but I do think that Bama and Clemson, like I just think they really kind of suck the life out of this, uh, this offseason. I really, truly do. Yeah, and honestly, it's not their fault. And others yeah. need to emerge as, I mean, Tom Herman needs to get Texas all the way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, you can claim that they have done their part as far as making it close with Bama, but you know they got to break through one time and actually beat them. Um, and I think you really, like, it's not bad to have two teams that are necessarily, uh, you know, just clearly above everybody else, but you don't want that every single year. And I think now when you've had these two that have just in the last four or five years, it's been them and really nobody else seems to matter in the grand scheme of things. I just, I'm with you. I kind of feel like they've sucked. I mean, they, they've created it to where this off season chatter, maybe it is just kind of bad luck with no real doozy, juicy things popping up, but we've been saying the same thing about these two programs for the last four or five years. And sure. um, in fact, the only thing that's really changed is maybe just the, the shift with now maybe Clemson being, 
a little more right there with Alabama. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, more, I'm, dude, I, I'm excited for NFL and college basketball. I mean, obviously, I'm college football each each Saturday. I'm going to have my my bets in and Bovada. I'm going to be watching closely. I love it. I love the playoff race just because of the drama that comes with it. But that element of man, anything can happen. Um, we kind of know what's going to happen. It's going to be Bama and Clemson at the end, and you know, may the best team win. Yeah, and I do think the one thing I will say about the playoff is that like a team emerges out of nowhere generally every year to make the playoff but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily a threat right it's like when uh in college basketball and this is a bad example because I actually think they've been good the last couple years but like there were years where Gonzaga was a number one seed and you like you knew they weren't they were a good story but they weren't really on the same level as a lot of those teams and I think we've gotten that the last uh several years where Michigan State made the playoff one year, but you knew like they weren't really on the same level. Notre Dame last year, Washington one year. And so that that to me is the amazing thing. And by the way, I find this amazing is we have a billion people who cover sports nowadays. We have a billion uh, college football writers. The Athletic alone employs 700 people. Why has there never been the article of what are Bama and Clemson doing that is so different than everybody else? Because... You can't tell me, first of all, statistically, Ohio State has recruited just as good as Bama and Clemson. LSU has basically recruited just as good as Bama and Clemson. Georgia lately. Georgia. uh, Florida State historically, although maybe not the last couple years. Oklahoma historically, maybe not the last couple years. And everybody has money. LSU just spent $30 million just on their um, just on their locker room for sleeping pods and all that stuff. So you can't tell me that it's, oh, they have more resources, they have better facilities, they recruit better. It's none of those things. Something is happening between those four walls, and I'm amazed that we haven't gotten the definitive, like, what are they doing that nobody is even in the same stratosphere as them? Because, like, and I said this, I remember saying this after the playoff last year, Nick, but, but like, take Oklahoma, for example. They've made the playoff three out of the last five years. Big 12 champ, three out of the last five years. I think actually four out of the, I think the last four years they've been the Big 12 champ. And you watch them and like, I guess they were in theory pretty competitive with Alabama in the second half, but they fell down 28 nothing Alabama and it didn't feel like they were all that close. And that's Oklahoma. That's Oklahoma. LSU hasn't even been competitive. Uh, Florida State has taken a dip. Texas will see. I just want to know how do we have all these college football writers and nobody has given us the answer. What are Clemson and Georgia or Clemson and Alabama doing that's so much different than everybody else? It's a great question to raise, and honestly, what I find fascinating about uh, a fascinating aspect to these two powers is that these two leaders, these two head coaches, could not be more different as yep. far as style and the way they do things, and that just to me makes it even more impressive. You know what I mean? Like it's not as if they're cut from the same cloth and they. Do every like they couldn't be more opposite as far as how they talk to players, and I don't mean, uh, you know, obviously Davos Sweeney's hard on his guys too, but clearly just the loving culture of you know, just more upbeat. Whereas Nick Saban, it's business. You put your you put your pants on and come to work every day. There's a standard to be set. We'll cut you if we have to. Like it, you're not, you know, it's just so different yet so successful. It's it, to me, I love to see that you can lead but in different ways, and and you know and have the same success. But you're right. It's not as if they are doing – it's not as if these two players are getting every – these two programs, I should say, are getting every five-star and everybody's just left with the fours. No, there's a good mix of talent that's being shifted around. It's just 
being developed a little better at these two programs, and uh, collectively they just put a better product on the field. A hundred percent. And to the Dabo point, and I think we even made it last year on this show, is I actually think that Dabo maybe never, maybe up until last season when they did beat Bama and they did dominate Bama, I don't think Dabo got the credit that he deserved. And I think it was because a lot of people were just like, oh, he's just a good old Southern boy, all shucks, gee whiz kind of guy. And it's like, no, that guy's a really, really good coach that gets a lot out of his team. And we've seen it, uh, obviously, the last couple of years, even leading into last year. And then we saw it with the dominant championship game performance. Nick Coffey, uh, before I let you go, anything else? You can talk about anything you want. Is there anything that's on your mind here as we close out this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast? If you haven't seen the Little League World Series, uh, <laughs> just terrible, terrible act of, I don't even know what to call it, but just over-the-top yeah. sportsmanship. If you haven't seen the kid go dap up the guy who just hit a bomb off of him, go back and watch it, and you'll know everything. Uh, you'll understand everything we said. That, that's what I'll leave you with today. Very good. Uh, Nick Coffey, you can hear him 7 to 10 Eastern on 790 KRD in Louisville. I appreciate him staying up here with me late here on the uh, Sunday night leading into the week. Of course, follow Nick on Twitter at The Card Connect. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Rate and review the show. Five stars are welcome. Five stars are encouraged. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, tune in radio, Spotify, Podcast Addict if you have an Android. That's the app that I use to listen to this show. Uh, make sure you're following on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Also, questions, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Quick reminder, one show this week as I'm going to be traveling on the back end of the week on my honeymoon. One show to start next week as I'll preview week one of the college football season. That is it. No no shows late in the week, uh, but I promise after Labor Day, I'm back to two episodes a week, basically from now until the end of time. That is all for today. Shout out to our guy, Torrent Craig, and I will talk to you guys on Monday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.